Hello, listeners. This is a crazy time for all of us as we do our part to stop the spread of the new coronavirus, COVID-19. We encourage all of our listeners to do the same. One, practice social distancing. You don't have to make excuses to get out of social obligations anymore. It's your duty. Two, wash your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds and hum the chorus of Country Roads. Three, use hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol content. Four, cough into the crook of your elbow. Five, contain your sneezes with a tissue. This all helps slow the spread of the virus to other people who may be more vulnerable. Don't make someone's grandmother sick because you just had to go out on Friday night. Stay safe and smart out there. This episode of The Final Forecast is brought to you in part by the book Exchange, where Mountaineers go since 1934. Recorded live in quarantine and social isolation in Japan and Morgantown, West by God, Virginia, with your hosts, Kevin Jones, Deshaun Butler, John Flowers, and our lovely co-host, Ashley. This is The Final Forecast. Welcome to another episode of The Final Forecast with me, one of your co-hosts, Kevin Jones. I got my uh, guy with me here, John Flowers. Was good, John? Oh, come on now, dog. <laughs> good. Well, good. Got my other co-host here with me, Deshaun Butler. Was good, Day. What's going on? I wish I had something that did that noise. That come on, man. <laughs> I don't have anything here. It's fine. We don't. We don't need any other anything else. I need that riffraff. Then we, and then we got our producer Dave with us as well. Hi. Hi, Dave. Come Hi. on, man. <laughs> I feel Who like you're going to be very sound effects. I feel like you're going to be very talkative this episode, Dave. Maybe uh you should have a better <laughs> intro to our show. Yo 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 yo, what up? It's Dave. Way better. Way better. Well, Kevin always sounds like he's barely awake when he does the intro. For some reason he goes from like upbeat and excited to just like I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Jones. Nothing like a slap at Kevin. Yeah, especially when you always ask me to do the intro. Dave, Dave's been thinking about that forever, hasn't he? <laughs> I know, no, right? <laughs> How long you been having that on your mind, Dave? <laughs> Don't now. worry about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Dave, you wanna you wanna lead this? Do you want me to give you his title in in the message? Let Kev go. I have like, no, I no, 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 no. How about yes? Go. Yes, I do it all amazing. the time. You didn't do it the last time when I had Clay on. Uh, Anyhow, um, what's it on? <laughs> you said all the time, so that would consider every oh, time. Like, what an asshole! This guy. Right oh, here. now, now we're name calling. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't show up. You don't. You don't show up to to episodes, and you think you can run everything now. It's not a running thing. It's just. Oh like, no, it is. An idea. It's an idea. Get the. Get the <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, we have a special guest now uh, with everything going on with the coronavirus. We have our uh, our czar, Clay Marshall. Clay Marsh, sorry. Um, Vice President of Health Sciences at WVU. Clay, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Just uh, trying to figure all this stuff out like everybody else is. It's a lot to figure out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, man. A lot of, lot of unanswered questions and, yeah, just a lot of speculation, too, which is, which is crazy. 
It is. You know, I think that one of the issues in this kind of a once in a lifetime event is it's really scary for people because you want to create meaning, you want to understand it differently. But the truth is, in these kind of events, we are learning as we go. And mm -hmm. the amount of new information that we've gotten, say, even over the last two, three weeks has been really extraordinary. So as we keep going forward, I think that we're going to get better and better at understanding how we live with this virus for a bit until we can figure out a vaccine or a drug or a series of drugs that helps people, you know, be able to deal with it with, uh, with much less problems. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's that's great. I I see that um, every day is something new. You know, you learn something new about it, and you kind of have to adjust the way you think and the way you kind of act uh, daily. So, I mean, it's been a task, but I, it seems like things are going down now, and people are starting to listen more and taking it serious. Yeah, we've you know, as a country and as a state we're taking it much more seriously and and the fact that you know we know that if people can physically distance from each other uh and we were talking about um the asian culture of uh, many people wearing masks and that's something we'll probably end up doing more here in the u.s as well and and just pay attention to washing your hands real well because this virus is really it's like the virus is like butter and if you take butter on a dish and you just put water on it, it doesn't really help. But if you put some soap on it, 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 it starts to break down that butter and washes it right off the plate. And that's just like this virus. So when we wash our hands, we're taking that fatty part of the virus and we're making it wash up in the soap that we're using. So really good hand washing is really important. And also learning not to touch your mouth your nose or your eyes when you're out you know touching other things because this virus can live for a while on cardboard on plastic and on stainless steel so we just need to pay extra attention that way mm, yeah favorite, for sure. uh, how far speaking your favorite hey john <laughs> uh so we have the tbt tournament coming up in july is there any chance that this thing could be you know, narrowing down, Ben. Where where are we with the state of West Virginia? Where where are we looking? Yeah. So so I think that yeah, you know, I the the honest answer would be that nobody really knows what's going to happen here coming up. But if you were a betting person and you were going to ask about having a big tournament with a lot of people in July, I would say it's unlikely more than it's likely. Because what we know, um, John, is that when people gather, that really is how the virus spreads. So the virus initially was thought to have an infection uh, capability that one person could infect two. And if one person infects two and two infects two more, which is four and eight, by 10 times that the virus goes through its, its life, which is about six days a time, so it'd be about 60 days, about two months, one person could infect a thousand. And if you take six, two more months, which is four months, one person could infect a million. And if you take two more months, which is six months, one person could infect a billion. That's if the infection ability was one to two. And in, in China, they just came back out and looked at some of their information. And they say one person might be able to infect, infect six people. 
So that is why we want to be really careful about not getting too many people together because that virus can spread really, really quickly and lead to problems like they saw in Italy, with right now they have a 12% death rate from the virus. Around the world, it's 5.5. In the U.S., it's 5.5% of people in the world that have gotten the virus have died. In the U.S., 3.3% have died. In uh, West Virginia, 0.9% have died. So we're, we're a safe place, but we're a safe place because we are taking lots of precautions and we have really good leadership from our governor and, um, and our leadership of the state that are prioritizing people's health. So we would probably recommend that that's a little bit soon to get that many people together again, given how infectious the virus could be. Most so Clay, definitely. going off of that, um, you see that it's been 100 days since uh, China confirmed uh, coronavirus to the World Health Organization that it was passable to human to human. Um, Wuhan is now open and people are traveling around the world. Is that something that they've been able to do because they're way more aggressive than us? Or is it just luck on their part? Or are we likely to see that kind of time frame? So, so David, I think that's an important question. And, and the truth is that one of the great advantages that we have here in the United States and, and in West Virginia, too, is that we can see what happens when other places who might be a little farther along. Everybody's a basketball person here, maybe except for me. And David, I'm, I'm going to let you make your own call on your uh, your athletic ability. But He's terrible. I would say that yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but somebody had to. But I got you. Anyway, got you but if you're thinking you. about this, yeah, if you're thinking about this like a basketball game, you know, we're not even done it with the first half yet. And we may be right in the middle of the first half. So, so other places that have gotten a little farther than us, whether it's China or Singapore or South Korea, they are starting to repatriate again. And, 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 and I was talking right to begin with uh, about um, Japan. And Japan, you know, right now apparently is is having some problems. So I think that as you repatriate or you sort of let go of the controls, you know, we'll see what happens. One of the problems, David, is that we know that the biggest issue with this virus, there's really three issues, but the biggest issue is how easily and quickly it can spread. So number one is we don't have any immunity to it because this virus came from a bat to person so we don't respond to it number two this virus can spread uh, by people that don't have any symptoms there's a study in iceland and they looked at that five percent of their population and they found of that five percent which is about seventeen thousand people one percent were infected and half of the people infected didn't even know it they had no symptoms and so this virus can be can be spread by people who don't know it and like I said before, this virus is really, really able to amplify unless you cut off its, its, you know, its energy source, which is that person-to-person contact. So I'm willing to bet the places that are putting people back out together again, kind of coming out from under this, are going to see a big set of problems on round two. And, and the problem is that there's really four ways that we're going to be back to more normal from the virus. Number one is we'll, we'll have a vaccine. And that's probably the most uh, the most important and, and the most, um, you know, final way that we're gonna deal with it, like we do with the flu, influenza, or polio, or whatever. But 
That's probably at least 12 months away, maybe a little bit longer. The second opportunity is for us to find drugs that work against the virus. And we're working on that. And my guess in the next six months, four to six months, we'll have some better drugs to work against the virus, which will be helpful. The third possibility is this virus is the kind of virus that mutates really quickly. And this virus is mutating quickly. We look at this virus as kind of the enemy, but in order for the virus to be successful, it's going to have to learn to live with us better. So many viruses have been around for millions of years and live with us, and they just cause us maybe to get a little cold or something. But that is success in the virus's life perspective because it keeps living. So this virus will also mutate and I believe eventually live with us in much more harmony. And that could happen quicker. That'd be great. And the last way that this could could end is that enough people get infected and can respond immunologically uh, to get what's called herd immunity, which basically means that uh, enough people are uh, immune um, responsive against the virus that it can't spread so quick because it'll you know, get to somebody pretty soon that can take care of it and it kind of stops its spread. But given how infective this virus is, that would mean that 82% of the world's population would have to be immune or 82% of the U.S. population. And if you think there's a 3.3% death rate in the U.S., if you try to get 82% infected and recovered, you'd lose a lot of people. And around the world, you'd lose millions of people. So, so we probably, that's not a good option. So in the meantime, we just have to learn to live with the virus, which means we'll have to pay attention. We'll have to be able to test more people, find exactly who's got the virus and have them quarantine without making everybody quarantine and, uh, and, you know, keep some distance and, and be careful for a while. And then we'll figure out how to better deal with it. And uh, at that point, we should be able to get back to more normal. Awesome. Hey, so, uh, Clay, I got, I got another question. Um, cause at sure. first I feel, I feel like every was saying, or we're thinking that this was more of like, um, a older person's disease like a lot of older people were dying from um from the virus but now that like these new cases are coming out that younger people are also getting uh very sick and dying from it too uh has there been any connection in what makes somebody respond differently to the way the virus works or is that still far along right now yeah that's a great question so in the in china and in Italy, which has been a place really hard hit, Italy, uh, and Spain really hard hit, um, it appeared that the virus was really much more selective for people that were older. And being a person older, that made me pay a lot of, <laughs> a lot of attention to it. But what we found here in the U.S., that a lot of people are getting the virus and getting really sick and even dying that are younger. So in the U.S., about uh, 40% of people who get the virus are less than uh, 55 years old. And 20% of people getting the virus going to the hospital are between 20 and 40 years old. And, you know, I've got some friends in New York and they talk a lot about how many people are sick and how many young people are sick, like sick going to the intensive care unit and sick getting put on a, a mechanical ventilator. So, you know, it's, it's not sparing younger people. And, and really the question here in, in the United States, because it seems to be happening here more, you know, the question is, is the virus changing? 
And is it affecting, as, as you suggested, is it affecting people differently? Or is this a reflection maybe of the way that we live our life? You know, maybe the stress and, and the way that we've lived our lives up to now has made us older, you know, our body's real age older, or maybe the vaping or smoking. We talked about that with Deshaun last time. He asked if uh, smoking pot, you know, was the same as uh, smoking cigarettes. And I said, in this case, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's having, you know, lung injury. So ultimately, I think that uh, whether or not it's something with the virus or something with our population, it's really clear in the U.S. that uh, more younger people are getting affected than we've seen around the rest of the world. And to Clay's point, I was asking for a friend. Yep, I'm saying. Oh, no. Kids, <laughs> <laughs> say no to drugs. <laughs> I, I'm, making, I'm making no accusations. <laughs> Clay, I have a question. Thank you, Clay. Clay, I have a question. This is John Claus. Yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, if you get this virus and you beat it, what are your chances of getting it again? Can you get it again? Well, same. right now, I, yeah, right now, if your body's immune system is normal, like if you are on drugs for reducing your immune system or you had like a bone marrow transplant, then your body may not be able to respond as well. But the feeling, John, right now is if you get it and beat it, then you can't get it again. Now, there's a couple of like caveats about that. So number one is this virus is mutating and just like we know sometimes we get a flu shot that doesn't work so well because the flu has kind of changed in the, in the time that they started producing the flu vaccine. So some people think it's possible the virus might change enough that maybe if you get infected today and let's say you're five years from now, maybe you're not quite as able to fight off the virus. But currently, although it's really early, as you know, David said it's 100 days or, or something, but but the feeling is that you can't get it again if you've gotten it. And the other thing that's really interesting right now is that what has started to happen as well is there's a lot of people that are really sick that are in the intensive care unit and, and are dying from this. And, and somebody thought about a really old treatment that we don't do very much anymore. But if you have had the virus and have gotten better, then in your blood, in your plasma, are the, the proteins that can block the virus because you, that would, is what would keep you from getting it again. And so they've been able to take plasma, doctors and hospitals take the plasma out of the blood and be able to give it to people who are struggling and dying from the virus and it's helped those people get better. So it's called, it's called uh, passive immunity and taking your blood and, and purifying that part that gives you resistance to the virus and giving it to somebody else who doesn't have resistance seems to be able to help them get better faster, which is a really exciting new, newer development as just one of the treatments that, uh, that will, I'm sure, have more choices of in the near future. A lot of people are saying this originated from China, but is it possible that it got to the United States a lot sooner than what people are saying or it was here i think i think in general it's pretty clear that this came from that place in china and that um that there's a big study because somebody said well 
maybe it went from bats to another animal and then to people and some people said well maybe this was the you know china released it in some sort of you know kind of terrorist thing but there was a recently a study done and, and it was tracked back and i think people generally feel very sure now that it came from bats and it came from that market in uh, china where they have a lot of wild animals that they will skin and 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 kill for people for their food and that's something i think that the government of china has been trying to crack down on and and you know that in the past there was another bat born disease called sars which was um uh acute respiratory syndrome and that was the same kind of virus it was a coronavirus like this one is the difference though is that virus caused people to die at a much higher rate like 25 50% of people that got that virus died but it could not communicate to somebody else you couldn't spread it until you were sick so it was easy that virus had a bad strategy because it was easy to figure out who had it and even though for the people that had it they often died of it the virus couldn't spread because it was it killed its host and it couldn't spread fast enough this virus which is you know in that same family it's a different kind of it's a different one not the same one but is you know much much more able to spread and uh and that's the success of that but i think it's pretty clear that that virus came from china and uh and that it's it is it's very efficient at infecting people and it infects people that uh that don't know it and the one other little thing that's interesting is one of the, the symptoms that people get with the virus that turns out to be really a good um uh, a good predictor of you having a positive test is that people with the virus oftentimes will lose their sense of smell and lose their sense of taste mm-hmm. and i think that's interesting wow If you love to show your WVU school spirit with the latest fashion and styles and with a wide selection of WV merch, check out the Book Exchange at bookexchangewv.com. Save 25% off your order with promo code BX4FINAL4. Now, what about this conspiracy clay that the mysterious flu-like that was not a flu uh, illness in November and December of last year was actually COVID here way earlier because there's a lot of crazy people, uh, myself included, who are trying to bring meaning into this, um, where I had severe bronchitis that was not bronchitis, that was not the flu, and was on was just like coughing and the symptoms all fit. Now I'm reverse engineering it into COVID uh, by my own terrible logic. What do you say to people that are, are, are gaining... Um, more belief into that. KJ, Dave, are we letting Dave talk today? Well, Dave, is, Dave has been talking a lot, so of course we are. Not to mention, this is Dave's guest as well. So, yeah, Dave definitely. I used, I used to have a, I used to have a poster over my bed a long time ago, and the poster said, "Just because you are paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you." So, Dave, I would say that poster may apply to you. Thank you, Clay. <laughs> Thanks for just glossing over John's hate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna look over that. You don't think that the virus could have hit the United States in 2019 in like November or December? I don't think so. You know, one of the things that you would have expected if um, if the virus had already been here is that you would find 
more immune responsiveness. And, and while, you know, certainly West Virginia has done well, you know, we've, we've um, had some of the lowest uh, numbers of, of people that test positive versus all the people that we've tested in the country. Um, in general, places like New York City, which, you know, has a lot of people, they got very much, you know, hurt by this as well as many other, um, you know, countries, Italy, Spain. Spain has a 10% mortality rate for this, Italy, 11, 12%. So, so you know, anything is possible. And obviously, I, I have read a lot about this and, and learned a bit about it. But, but uh, I, you can't say absolutely not. But I think everything that people have found to date would say it originated in, in December in a in a uh, open air market with animals, live animals uh, in Wuhan, China. Most definitely. I agree with that. I'm one of those people that Dave was talking about. I'm the conspiracy theorist. I kind of <laughs> feel I kind of feel like uh, it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I believe it started like you just said, where it started at in, in the air markets. Also, I kind of believe that uh, it's made its way over earlier and people just didn't know what it was just based off it of could be. those. I mean, I actually I had a friend that passed away from one of the symptoms from coronavirus. But um, obviously, it wasn't a big uh, it wasn't a big thing talked about at the time because the coronavirus wasn't really as big. Like it wasn't approaching yeah. apparently America at the point in time. But um, I, I don't know. I just like West Virginia is very lucky and safe. I mean, I feel like because of the airport scenario and it doesn't have many it travelers as opposed to like New York has numerous airports and numerous people traveling in from all kinds of places. You're right. So I don't know. I, I kinda... And the other thing is, yeah. And the other thing is, I think that, you know, the governor did some things like, you know, with the schools and the staying at home, I, that really helped a Definitely. lot as well. You, you know, one of the things that's really interesting though, is that, I mean, you guys think back, you know, Dave said it's been a hundred days. Would you have ever imagined possible that in what two months, a month, that we could have shut the whole country down, shut the world down? I mean, what would it have taken to do that? And and you know, the other thing that's really interesting right now, you know, the earth is healing. You know, the pollution levels are down to almost an all-time low. You know, crime rates are down. The waters in Venice have gone down, they've cleared up, the fishes are back. So it's really interesting that, you know, we look at this as very negative and I certainly don't wish any harm or illness or sickness or or fear to anybody. But, but this is a time the earth is healing. And, you know, for a lot of us, we have been inside, we haven't been as busy, maybe haven't, you know, been so worried about everything that we usually worry about, worried maybe about the virus. But this to me is also a time that we can heal and understand that, you know, having our health and family and and the ability to do what we choose to, even if we're not able to be as close to each other physically, I feel like that there's a great connected spirit of people all trying to help and do the right thing. So, So I wonder if this is also a time for us to heal like a time for the world to heal. I don't know. Hmm. That's the interesting perspective because I feel I felt like this was I don't know in a weird way. This was kind of like the Earth's way of like fighting back like against 
like you said, pollution is down and the earth is healing right now and people aren't as busy and active. So I, I think this is, like you said, you don't want to wish this on anybody. And it's definitely a, like a tragedy going on, but at the same time, is it's a good time to like step back and reflect. And and people are living healthier lives now, and people are more cautious about their hygiene, especially out in public, which is always a good thing. The only one negative seems to be that John has suddenly found himself wanting to become a DJ and is using this time to try out <laughs> DJ equipment. I'm actually, going to be really <laughs> what an idiot. Clay, if you need me to do any bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, or wedding, anything, <laughs> hit me up. I'm going to be really good, actually. That's good. I look forward to it. Once we can all get back together, maybe I'll uh, I'll look you up and uh, and and try to get you to uh, to oversee uh, a get together. Yeah, John. Like, maybe you, in two years when uh, the vaccine appears and <laughs> we have more than ten yeah, people in the right. setting, it'll be perfect. That's right. That's so, right. Clay. I got one more question for you. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, Attorney General Bill Barr today said he thinks that the measures that we've all taken are way too draconian and we'll be back to normal by May and back to work. And that that's, you know, you see the people on Twitter tweeting at you saying, we've got to get the economy going. You know, we should just let this thing ride out. It's no worse than the flu. Um, because they see that the peaks and the death tolls are going down, according to those models like the Washington model. Um, is this one of those cases where it looks like we've overreacted because what we've done has worked? Yeah, I, you know, I, I obviously have a, a certain bias about that, but but you know, when you look at all the prediction models and you learn about this virus and learn how fast it spreads, you know, the real danger I think to a population is what Italy saw. Excuse me, probably more than anybody else, and and Spain has seen as well, and New York has seen as well is it spreads quickly enough that you get this surge of sick people that overwhelms your health system, makes the healthcare workers sick, you know, overwhelms the number of, of, of ICU intensive care unit beds and, and ventilators. You know, in Italy at one point, in Northern Italy, which is a very wealthy part of that country, they basically decided because they didn't have enough doctors or enough ventilators, that if you're over 60 years old, you didn't get one, whether it was going to cause you to die or not. So they were making decisions based on resources for people. You know, I'm 61, so it's, uh, you know, it seems very much like that's very young, uh, given where I'm sitting right now. So so I think that, that I don't think that we overreacted. I think that people have done a good job. West Virginia is very proactive, and, and I believe we've saved a lot of people's lives. The challenge we have is, and, and, and let me let me opine here just for a second, because I'm going to get into a different area that may be edited out for the show eventually, but so be it if it is. So, so this kind of an event, the, the pandemic, is what is called a black swan event. And a black swan event is a, it refers to a book that's written by a guy who I really like named Nassim lot and he writes about these very rare events and if they're negative events they happen immediately if they're positive events they happen over a little bit of time and this is like 9-11 the you know the housing market crash the great depression the world wars these are events that are almost impossible to define when they're going to happen or what they're going to be but they always happen and we can't 
see that very well because like what you said dave is we always construct stories and we always try to use our past experiences to understand and kind of predict and feel in control of what is happening at times that we can't really get it quite yet and these black swan events are different because they don't really follow the rules that we've seen before so we make errors in trying to use our past experiences or patterns to understand them the other two characteristics these black swan events have is that nobody can predict how they're going to end or how they're going to unfold and i think that's really true for this virus if we make predictions about like the basketball tournament in in july or starting back in school in august or college football or whatever it is then we can certainly speculate like you know attorney general Barr can speculate but he doesn't know either and the other thing is and this is what we talked about a bit about the earth healing these are the events that change everything so these are such such strong stressors of all parts of our world that they actually are the energy that starts change to happen and it, it destabilizes almost everything that is fixed in the world and so i would say that the world that we left the the way that we knew businesses and stores and entertainment and sports and all that has changed and and i don't know what it's going to be in the future i'm sure we'll have some resemblance to what we left but predictably it's not the same so if you're using your world view to say when can we get back to our old world i would say very likely never and i think when you start to look at what the world could look like i mean if you start to imagine it like maybe the earth is healing maybe we can too you know because we kind of lost our way we competed against each other we tried to get power over each other we sold out for making money you know a piece of paper or or some you know some coins you know we we sacrificed our family for our job to get ahead to have more which increased our debt and made us stuck in jobs we didn't like you know 75% of people in America said they didn't like their job 50% of doctors and nurses said they were burned out it's not it was a toxic world we left and maybe we have the opportunity if we do it right to build something that's much better you know cooperation hope love uh, gratitude abundance help each other you know there's plenty for everybody but only if we see it that way and and so i for one hope that if the world is different on the on the future side of of this pandemic that we will be able to commit together to make it the kind of world that helps us heal versus the kind of world that makes us sick. Exactly. So that was my opining. I agree. Yeah, I'll just cuddle that clay, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, all right, so Clay, I, I kind of had two questions kind of tied together. Uh, one, I mean, you kind of answered sure. is like, uh, what will be our new normal whenever this thing is over? which you kind of answered a little bit, if you could go a little bit further into that. And then the second one is, we keep on hearing about like peak, like this thing is going to peak at certain times. Like what does peak mean? Like what does the word peak yeah. mean in this situation? And um, yeah. when do you think that um, West Virginia will uh, peak? Wow, that's okay. So what's the world going to look like after? Yeah. I, I think that most people believe 
that for us to come back out, we're going to have to come back out gradually and carefully. That if we jump back together, you know, I saw a picture, oh my goodness, from China. You know, they they took some of the restrictions away and they showed a picture on the Great Wall of just like masses of people, you know, shoulder to shoulder. I, oh, that just made my heart just go, oh my goodness, because I can't believe they're not going to have a ton of new cases of the virus given those kind of crowds. So I think that we'll come back, you know, we will probably come back and, and still suggest that we not gather in groups of maybe more than, you know, 10 or 20 and try to keep some distance between us. I think masks will be the new norm here in this country for a while. And we know that masks work for two reasons. One is they protect people who are sick, who don't know it yet, who are not symptomatic and keeping them from when you talk or when you clear your throat, you create some of these droplets and those droplets can have virus in it if you're infected and the masks sort of block that production of those droplets and the virus. So I think you'll see that. I think that as we said before, hygiene is much better. People are much more concerned about what they touch and washing their hands. And I think that's going to keep happening and that's going to help other infections like the flu and, and, and other things too. And then I think that we will see little episodes of outbreaks of, of illness. You know, we'll still see people sick, but we will have generated better ways to test more people and maybe even to give you some home tests that you can test yourself. That if you start feeling sick, you can, you know, see if you've developed the COVID infection. And if you have, we'll have much stronger ways to keep you separated from other people because that spread from person to person is is, is really the, the big concerning thing. So, so I think that we'll come back slow and we'll come back carefully and we'll come back with new ways to monitor and to be more specific, more selective, and not saying, hey, everybody's got to stay inside, and, but to say, if you're sick with, with the virus, you do, and we'll have ways to, to detect that. When it, does that. Does that answer the first part? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. The, now, the, from the standpoint of the peak, that's a, a, that's a really good question. So, um, one of the challenges with this virus as I said before, is that it can spread really rapidly from person to person. And just like when you put money in the bank when you're young, if you let it go for a while, it, it really grows because of that um, compounding effect. And the virus can compound as well. And if it compounds really quickly, you don't stop it, you get outbreaks like we've seen, as I said before, in Italy, Spain, New York. Um, and so, um, so there's been a lot of work that says, when will the maximum number of people get sick the fastest on the same day? And those models create a maximum requirement for all the healthcare and, and all the resources, all the surge, you know? It'd be like if, if, you, if you're in a hotel and you have one elevator, it may work fine most of the time, but if you have a big rush, you know, during the holidays, you don't want people to stand in line for the hotel. So the hotel will create enough elevators, not only just take care of normal times, but they'll assess 
in surge times when you have the maximum demand on needing elevators, how many elevators will you need? And, you know, good hotels will put in that many elevators, even though you don't need that many all the time, you do it maximum, you know, requirement. And the peak is really the maximum requirement of the health system to be able to function. That's the most, that's the day that you should see the most patients, the most ill people, the most people dying. That's the peak. And our peak is projected now to be April 15th. The peak in the United States is about three or four days away. And the estimation is that's the day you need the most medical care. It has the maximum demand on the medical care, and you'll have the most number of people die in that day, on that single day. Really? And so when we say, yeah, when we say flatten the curve, really what we're saying is we want to reduce that big peak, that surge. We we don't want a tsunami during that day. We want a little, like maybe a little wave or something so that we can keep everything moving and going. And that's the reason why it's been shown that if you are able to keep people separated and keep people in their house. So I'll give you an example. Um, on March 16th, I believe this is right, New York and California, the state of New York, the state of California, had the same number of people that were infected with the virus. California, not everywhere, but San Francisco and some other places went on a kind of a lockdown, made people stay at home. Everybody was complaining about it. It seemed like way overboard, kind of like uh, Attorney General Barr said, kind of draconian, you know, the, 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 the people being restricted by the government. And so anyway, New York did not do that. Eight days later, New York had 15,000 cases of coronavirus, or California had 1,000. So that impact of that social distancing, of staying at home, of cutting out that person-to-person -person spread made you know a 15-fold difference in the number of, of, of positive people in California versus New York. And you saw the other day that California is now sending ventilators to other states because they need them more than California. And California has an economy, I think that's 10th in the world or something. I mean, so it's a huge place, but they were able to keep the virus from really surging as opposed to New York that didn't. In some ways, I think, because of those strategies of keeping people apart. So I think that, that for us, you know, our when we first started with this response, this has been maybe about three, four weeks ago, our projections were that our peak would be on May 4th and that we would lose about 700 people. 700 people would die here and that we would need more intensive care unit beds and more ventilators because we would have so many sick people. And in fact, the Kaiser Family Foundation rate of West Virginia as the most uh, vulnerable population in the country. They're the population that's going to have the most people die from something like this. And now we our projection moved from May 4th to April 15th. The number of deaths moved from about 700 to now about 100. We've only had five so far. And the number of mechanical ventilators has gone from like 200 to 50. And the number of beds that we're projected to have, we, we have enough beds, we'll do fine. So the idea is by doing these right things, we are changing all of the numbers that are fed into these models. And these models are only projections at one point in time. And just like our, you know, like we write our story 
every day in our life. We, we may think that we know what's going to happen, but what happens to us is really, you know, related to what we do every day, every moment, every hour. It's, you know, and it's influenced by our intentions, I think. And if we intend to do good, to help, to serve, to love, to, um, to affect hope versus we, you know, live to take and to get and to, you know, run through what I think is fear and, and we take away hope from people or we have no hope for ourselves, our stories write very differently. And I think that by doing what we've done as a state, we're writing our story in so good a way. But like I said, we're in a basketball game and we haven't even gotten through the first part of the first half yet. So even though we're more ahead, you guys know better than me, if you're ahead by 15 points in the first half, it doesn't mean you stop playing. Game's over. Easily, you can lose it. <laughs> you can lose that game. <laughs> and that's the key for us. We don't want to lose this game. Okay, so after all this is like done, after this hit its peak and it starts to go down and stuff, there's no cure for it. So won't it won't the curves just go back up when everyone goes back to normal since the virus will still be out there? This is not like a flu season, right? It's not like a COVID nineteen season. So won't it still be out there? Yeah. So I think that that's at least my prediction, but we'll have to see. I don't think it's going to go away like the flu when the weather gets warm. And that's the reason why we're not going to be able to go back to normal. It's going to be a new normal. It's going to be a normal where we have to pay attention. We still have to be, you know, distanced from a bunch of people. And, and as you're correctly, I think, predicting, we're going to have still have people that get sick because, you know, we're not going to, since we basically have, have maybe gotten through this first part and we haven't seen the number of people die as maybe could have but most people still are not able to have any kind of immune response against the virus because we've sort of kept them from getting sick uh and you know or they've kept themselves from getting sick by washing their hands and you know staying good physical distance and all that but until we get a vaccine or a drug then we still have the same risk if you haven't been sick and recovered the same risk of getting the virus again so yeah we have to be careful and that's the reason why i don't think big events immediately you know will be back in and play i know that like baseball is thinking about they play their games in front of no fans and you know that was what the ncaa basketball tournament was going to do because the you know the idea is that People still love sports and there's big TV contracts, but I think that even for the athletes right now, it wouldn't necessarily be safe to go back again. Um, so I, I think that we're going to live in a different world for a bit. And that bit could be months to a year, a year and a half. Even. So everyone's going to get it eventually? No, I think that, that most people won't get it, would be my guess. And But I think, you know, that we'll have to bide time until we get a vaccine or until we get drugs you know in the in the old days you guys are much younger than me but in the old days it used to be thought like you should put all your kids together who have chicken pox so everybody gets infected and you get immunity against it and they used to call them chicken pox parties as i you know read yep. about it i, don't really I had one that. of those but yeah but the idea is that we would do that 
you know, uh, at first, I think the UK had the strategy, just let people get sick and get better, and then we'll get enough people who are immune that, you know, that we'll be able to block the spread of the virus, that herd immunity. And that's like chickenpox. Okay, that's a great idea if it didn't kill, you know, 5% or more of people who get the virus. And and so if you think about around the world, what we're hovering, 7 billion people around the world, if 5.5% of people die to get herd immunity, that is a ton of people. So I think that over time, we'll develop treatments. If we had a drug that could help people who got really sick, because 80% of people or so will get this and just get like the flu or less and get over it and get better and be fine. So if you could figure out how you help the other, you know, 15 or 20% who get sick and have to say go to the hospital or the 5% who end up in the intensive care unit, then maybe, yeah, you could just let everybody get sick and get better from it. And then we'd be immune as a, as a world and the virus couldn't spread. But right now we can't do that because we don't have medications to help the people who will die if we take that strategy. And if we wait for the vaccine, it's going to take a while. So that's uh, that's the problem with the vaccine. And the virus might just kind of, you know, adapt to us and make us less sick. And, and maybe the mutation will, you know, help the virus live with us better. And that's a possibility because these kind of viruses do mutate very quickly. And so this virus is, you know, not only, you know, trying to figure out how to keep surviving, but eventually it's got to learn to live with us or we'll eradicate the virus. And well, and when so you say mutate, that, uh, what, hap- what do you mean by mutate more or less? Like, can it change anything in us or more or less just like mutate like, uh, just change the virus changes it doesn't change us per se yeah well it's interesting so these viruses like this one are called rna rna viruses and there's other kind of viruses like this and these viruses when they infect us they tend to sometimes hang around and you know can even live with us and there is some thoughts that things like you know in our brain like consciousness how we feel about things. Some people would argue that may be linked back to old infection with RNA viruses. So so these viruses, when I say mutate, I mean the virus mutating. So it's not, it doesn't hurt us as bad. Because you know, if you breathe in the virus, the virus kind of sits outside of us and is kind of in a dead state. It's kind of hibernating. But it gets inside of us and gets mostly in our nose and the back of our nose. And then it gets into a cell. It hijacks our cells gets inside of one of the cells in our nose, in our back of our nose. And then in 24 hours, uh, it will have made 10,000 copies of itself. So it's it's now Jesus. growing inside of us. And by three or four days, in a teaspoonful of blood, like a milliliter of blood, it has it will have over 100 million copies in us. Mm. So, so, the, so the virus grows a lot in us. And, you know, some people say, well, maybe the lung problem that we have, the pneumonia, is not really just the virus. Maybe it's our body's ability or our body trying to kill the virus. The immune response may be hurting us. So not only are there treatments that are being designed now to kill the virus, but there's also treatments designed now so that we don't hurt ourselves responding to the virus. Because sometimes if we over respond, we can start to hurt other parts of ourselves and our lungs are really very fragile, kind of the furnace filters of the body. And so now people are also trying to use drugs that inhibit 
the immune response. So, so we are working through this, but, but the virus eventually will, if it stays around, because there's a number of coronaviruses, not the ones that come from bats like this one, but there's a bunch of coronaviruses that cause you to get a little cold and nothing else. And so those viruses have adapted to us very well. And if this virus is going to survive long term, it's got to adapt to us too. And it, it adapts to us through changing itself. And that's what I mean by mutation. All right, cool, 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 cool. Didn't want to turn into anything. Would you eat a bat? Would I eat a bat? Yeah. I would not. Would you? I don't know. If I was in China, maybe. I don't know. I, I have to say, there's. Uh, I'll just make a, a, a acknowledgement based on the activities of my middle son for about the last oh, four and a half months. I've been going vegetarian, so Same. I'm not eating any meat right now. Same. But even if I was eating meat, I, I don't know if I'd go for a bat, truthfully. All right. Well, you've uh, joined us today for another episode of The Final Forecast. I want to thank our guy, Clay, once again, for joining the show for the second time. We appreciate him very much. Round of applause, please. Clap, 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 clap. Come on, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, once again, if you guys want to uh, follow Clay, he's on all social media, for the most part, at Clay Marsh. C-L-A-Y-M-A-R-S-H. Um, go follow him there. He has tons of info on what's going on with us, the stuff that he just talked about just now with the uh, COVID. So hit him up and check out his page. I am, once again, I appreciate you guys listening to the Final Forecast. I'm one of your hosts, Deshaun Butler, here with your guy, John Flowers. Yo, thanks for coming on, Claire. I appreciate it. And oh, great. And our good host, Kevin Jones. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, thanks, Clay. Appreciate it. It was very informative. And thanks, Kevin. Dave, oh, come on. Dave. Dave is here as well. <laughs> yeah, Clay's, yeah, don't fire me, Clay. <laughs> no, Dave, that was great. Hey, you guys are great. Thanks so much, and you guys take care of yourself, okay? Of course. Appreciate it, Clay. Thank you. Thanks for hanging on the show, right. Clay. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay. Peace. Hello, listeners. We want you to join in the show. Call us and leave a message or send us a text on our amazing new phone line. That's right. Mom let us have a phone number. Leave a voicemail and we may play your message on the show. Call and text us at 304-807-9098.